something is like blocking your flow of creativity and you're ignoring it, then your creativity is not going to be something that's as poignant and as potent as it can be. It's a dynamic that might be from your parents when you were 12 or from bullies in school when you were in high school. You know, this dynamic might be something else completely that now you're just projecting onto the food. The biggest ritual that I have is to check in with myself multiple times a day what my energy is in a way that's honest and with integrity. Welcome to the Honor Your Aura podcast, a podcast devoted to learning about, caring for, and empowering the energy within, with your host, Kema England. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Honor Your Aura podcast. This is your host, Kema England. I am here with a very special episode, and it's featuring my dear friend, Alana Kessler. And what is so beautiful about these first recordings with the Honor Your Aura podcast is that each person that I have chosen is someone that has been such a pivotal, inspirational, really, aspect of my journey. And especially under the energy of Honor Your Aura, which has been for me this lifelong journey of really learning how to not only understand myself, connect to myself, but take care of myself energetically. And each of these beautiful individuals that I am having on the podcast have played such big roles um, in that for me personally. So it is just a delight to be able to share their wisdom, their story, and their connection to energy with you. So just to give you a little taste of how I came to meet Alana, which is very serendipitous. Um, I was living in New York, and when I moved to New York originally, I had this intuitive feeling that my life was going to shift and change, and that And I felt that it was pretty strong. I would transition into teaching yoga and taking on more of the, you know, holistic approach to, you know, my life and my offering. Now, I was working a very different job when I moved to um, Brooklyn originally, and that was at a record label. And... It was really clear to me after about six months that I needed to do something for me. And as some of you know my story in regards to Reiki, which I can share another time. But basically, the day that I got laid off from that job at the record label was very serendipitous timing with when I signed up to do my first Reiki course. And when I got laid off, I just, I said to myself, I said to the universe, okay, I'm going to go work for a yoga studio now. Now, 
I had been practicing yoga, you know, regularly over the years and I was raised doing yoga. I was raised um, with an awareness of, you know, energy work and yogic philosophy. But my lifestyle at this point, you know, pretty opposite. And I also within myself was very much resisting taking on yoga or healing as my professional path. So anyways, I let it be heard that I was going to work for a yoga studio and within, I would say, a month, um, I found a position open at Alana's Yoga Studio in Brooklyn. And that is where I started working. Um, I started working the desk, went on to be the manager, did my yoga training while I was working there and was at um, Alana's studio at the time, Sangha Yoga Shala, for the bulk of the four years that I was living in Brooklyn. And I was there until I decided to move when I knew that that I was supposed to follow my heart um, out to California. So at the time, Alana was teaching yoga uh, and offering, you know, nutrition consultations. And I learned so much from her because she was also in the... Uh, the realm of Ayurveda and that was a whole new you know learning journey for me coming to know that I was very um, pitta imbalanced which is lots of fire and I have since gained such a greater understanding and learned how to you know manage that within myself and really channel it you know for the better of my being and and those around me And, you know, really just being able to go into Sangha every day and have these deep conversations with Alana, you know, about like primarily, you know, not only yoga, but how our yoga practice at that time, which was primarily Ashtanga yoga, was like applicable to our everyday life. And that was just fascinating. And I felt, you know, finally that I had a woman to talk to that was helping to kind of uplift my my verbiage and kind of meet me at the place where I was, which was in need of someone to kind of expand that dialogue and see how it was really, you know, not it wasn't like, okay, I'm practicing yoga and then my life is over here. It's It was really a full integration and a full exposure and a completely dedicated practice. I, before I was there, I'd Ashtanga yoga was completely new to me and for those of you that know it with Ashtanga yoga if you're practicing traditionally you're going every day you know and you're going at the same exact time and we're practicing Mysore Ashtanga so there's so much patience involved and you're doing the same sequence and it's it's just a phenomenal practice and it taught me so much it met me exactly where I was supposed to be at that time and it is a delight for me now um almost, you know, 10 years later to be able to still have this beautiful connection with Alana and be able to follow her journey and now have her on the podcast. So that's a, you know, summing up a pretty long story, but I hope that you get just as much out of her um, wisdom and all that she honestly and openly shares as I do. So without further ado, Alana Kessler. I am here with Alana Kessler, and Alana and I, each other for now, it's been probably 10 years, which is pretty amazing, and we continuously kind of find ourselves crossing paths, like, as the years have gone on, and so I'm just so excited to 
to hear your approach as to how you are kind of coming to know not only yourself energetically, but I know that with your highlight being, you know, nutrition and food, um, you know, paired with yoga and how that understanding of energy is, is coming through for you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Kema. <laughs> so nice to connect in this way. And I do want to say, I think actually I realized when I was, when I found my our Sangha journal, mm-hmm. um, that some of those entries were from like 2000, oh yeah, 2009, 2010. So I guess it's been 10 years. So yeah. Yes. But can we also discuss though quickly how that is kind of what stories is on Instagram now? We were just writing it in a journal. Like we were writing the, the, the quotes. That's you know? so true. Oh my goodness. And everyone kind of sharing. Yeah. Like rather than, you know, like share someone's story, people were in that old school way, sharing their experiences that they were having. And also writing the quotes of Thich Nhat Hanh and everything on the paper, you know, rather than posting a visual image on Instagram. Cause yeah. we were oh kind gosh. of doing that before. So I just wanted to say that I realized that I w- that we did that. And I was like, that is amazing. Cause we were doing that before. So Anyway, so true. Wow. Yes. But to answer your question, um, so yes, you're right. Um, I would say the 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 biggest ritual that I have is to check in with myself multiple times a day, what my energy is in a way that's honest and with integrity. So. My ritual in the morning is really to just be like, how do I feel today? Um, Really, Um, not only physically, but also emotionally. Um, Did I sleep well or not? How's my digestion from the night before? How is my, like, how do, you know, um, did I, am I feeling groggy? Because I would say that the biggest thing for me is to be honest about what my level of energy is. And from there, I can make a decision about what practice I'm going to do. So, as you mentioned when you were introducing me, Ashtanga was was a big part, was my main practice back in the day, um, and still is my uh, a main practice for me. But it was my only yoga practice for a while, my only asana practice for a while. So it was almost like Ashtanga or nothing. Um, and now I feel really lucky that I have other types of asana practices that can access my energy body in a way where um, I can still feel a dynamic uh, energy infusion and I still feel um, nutritious energetically and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, you know something super dynamic like ashtanga yoga Um, and also it is really important to me to to again be completely honest about my energy level, even if the day before I had another idea of what my energy level was gonna be the next day. And I think that's the hardest part because a lot of what I teach is preparation. A lot of what you know we talk about in the world is about preparation and you know you need to be prepared and make a plan for the next day. And I do think that there is a fine line and there is a gray area between preparing and iterating. And I'd say that the way that I manage my energy the best is really knowing that, uh, is really knowing that line well for myself. 
Right. And I completely, I think that that's amazing because I, and like what I think is so interesting, you know, especially as we enter into the new year, we hear so much about people implementing, you know, these rituals for themselves. And, you know, we think, oh, yoga and we think eating well, and, you know, we want to get all these, these rituals set up, but then what happens when, even though this is what you think is you're supposed to be doing with your time to be nourishing, but as a result, there is there's a discord or a disharmony because it's not actually honoring where you are in a, in a given moment. And getting to kind of know yourself, right? Like knowing how you check in and knowing how your your body, you could say, communicates with you. Yeah, and also trusting that, and also trusting that my that my um, my commitment or my uh, my, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, my discipline or my heartfulness around this practice or this intention, um, isn't diminished simply because perhaps I'm not doing it that day. You know, I say that, um, I think that this is what comes with over time. I think in the beginning we need, I think in the, maybe in the beginning there's more structure, but you're learning, you know, through that structure, your energy. But I think where I'm at now, Um, I have the faith that even if maybe three days go by and I don't do a practice that technically is my practice, I don't feel, I feel more nourished energetically that I'm honoring myself and I know that it will be positive, like any kind of creative endeavor. So for example, if I'm looking like for like right now, I have two articles, I have two columns that I have to write that are, you know, that are kind of out of thin air that I'm, that I'm writing about. And a couple of days in a row, I've been like, okay, you're going to do it today. You're going to do it today. But I've had some like physical, like I got sick and then I had some emotional thing happen that was in my energy field. And I said to myself, you know, years ago, I might've just ignored those things and said, you have to get this creative thing done. This is what you want to do. But I have learned that creativity is blocked if you don't honor what's directly in your field. And I'm not saying being indulgent or you know, or wallowing. I'm saying if something is like blocking your flow of creativity and you're ignoring it, then your creativity is not going to be something that's as poignant and as potent as it can be. And even if like, you know, because even if, so even if you honor your direct experience for like four days, what's happened to me is all of a sudden I get this burst of energy one day and it's like that day I just like bang it out in like three hours. Cause I'm also thinking about it. You know, I'm like, what am I, you know, what am I going to write about? What am I going to do? But I'm not actually just putting in the effort because I don't have the energy for the effort, you know? Sure. And I think that's what we have to learn is yeah. how much energy do you have for the effort that something's going to entail? And you have to honor that and not just let yourself push through it because then you're not going to get the result that you're hoping to get from something if it's not in alignment. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And you know, what's so interesting about what you say and like, you know, hearing you talk about how, you know, even though you might be feeling it physically, how you can still detect it in your energy and how you can detect how that energy of what, you know, your experience has been in your emotional or physical reality and how it is impacting you know, we like break our ankle. Okay. I have a broken ankle, so I can't, you know, physically do this. Right. But here we're like, we're talking about these subtle aspects, like our emotional body and about the choices that we make or about the things that come our way. And even though it might not be huge physical signs saying like, don't do, 
right? But you're you're still kind of getting that hint. And yeah, and and kind of honoring, you know, that that when something is meant to be put into creation, that like having that full faith that you don't need to create like a stress or an added energy around what you know is emotionally digesting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So and then kind of having that faith, you know, like the time will be really clear when you are able to to put those wheels in motion. So I just love how you put that into verbiage and that because that's just such a big piece of the honor your aura. It's how do we take these things that are happening on our daily basis that might not be so clear as a broken ankle, but how do we honor them? How do we communicate them as needed? And you know, how do we, you know, then ultimately have this like trust and faith that you know, that energy is going to move. Just just the act of showing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to, yeah, do a full Ashtanga practice, but just the fact that you are showing up for yourself, you know, every morning is profound. And mm-hmm. it, you know, and it is like ultimately strengthening that energetic muscle that from what I, at least what I can see and feel is that that energetic muscle has just built for you in such a profound way over time. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then trusting that that's the flow, you know, that and that actually does happen. And that's the verified faith that you get when you start doing this work is that it happens, you know, and you're like, so when you have like four days of, you know, kind of what it what in the past might feel like, quote unquote, laziness, you're kind of are excited because you're like, oh, I'm pregnant with something that's coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And you don't always know. And I think that that's such a big piece too, right? It's like you start to get to know that like subtlety of of kind of feeling and awareness, but Mm. it's like you only you can be the living proof that 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 inclination was correct. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, which I just think is so fascinating. And I think takes a lot of, yeah, faith and like deep connection to self and whatever you know kind of belief system it is that you have that allows you to to be in that state of flow yeah exactly I remember we used to have these conversations um about being in the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and I so I would love to kind of just check in like you were saying that you know you check in with yourself throughout the day and we as humans obviously are going through so many different things, right? We're experiencing our emotions. We have, you know, our, the different roles that we play, right? We have our schedules, we have all like every choice, right? And, and then we have these phases of life that are just like as a whole, sometimes more challenging and more uncomfortable. And there can be a, a tendency even within spiritual practice to kind of check out even and mm-hmm. like use spiritual practice as a bypass when ultimately we kind of know we need to, you know, it's like, how do we, what is that bridge between caring ourselves and honoring ourselves during those times and being with perhaps what is an uncomfortable feeling based on whatever it was the creator of that feeling? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is like the basis of my work, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes total sense. (laughs) Totally. Like for so long, I mean, this is the basis of my work, mainly because I spend so many years, um, you know, in an avoidant, addictive behavior pattern, avoiding discomfort (laughs) for so many years. So, um, you know, a big part of my healing was learning how to uh, approach uh, and be with uncomfortable feelings. And the reason why I'm breaking this up is because the first step is really to 
be willing to say that uncomfortable feelings are a real thing and discomfort is a real thing and it and it matters so i feel like i feel like that's there that's the first step is for people to be able to label and name um something that 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 something that triggers an emotional or a mental or a physical sensation is something inherently uncomfortable, not necessarily bad or dangerous, but just unfamiliar. Mm. Right. And so I think it's basically, um, and then going further discerning, um, discern, like sitting with the unfamiliar and basically saying, okay, this is unfamiliar and recognizing that unfamiliarity the limbic brain is going to immediately make that dangerous, most likely. The untrained limbic brain is gonna make that dangerous. And then we're gonna go into our, our patterns, right? Our physical body is going to uh, you know, take over in our patterns and our emotional body is gonna take over in our patterns, depending on what the circumstance trigger is that triggers this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first step is just saying, I'm feeling something uh, in my body, in my mind, and being and being willing to say this is out of balance for me does that resonate yeah absolutely absolutely and then then being willing to just be there for a bit right not feeling the need to understand yet because that takes you into like the doing mind and like the doing and the whole thing so basically to just and then to feel relieved and to practice gratitude and appreciation that you've kind of that you've kind of landed in the reality of the direct experience, and that to me is like a hose, like a plug into my outlet of energy. Like immediately, I feel like I've just gotten like an IV of B12. Like immediately, I have like you know like energy. Once I'm just like, oh my god, okay, something is feeling off, and then what I do is for me, I um. I kind of close the blinds on the outside a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So I close the blinds on the outside and I, um, you know, I, I think it's really important to have a home if you're lucky enough to have one that is, that is comforting for you to be in, whatever that feels good for you. Like I love a lot of light and I like, um, I like the ground and like a comfortable rug. So like I'll lay down and I'll just like, I'll, I'll typically go inward this is my way. And I will just observe myself, you know, and typically I'll see what I feel inspired to do. And sometimes, uh, and usually what happens is I don't have to do anything. And in the, in the not doing anything, um, I'll, I'll get understandings. And my heart will speak a little bit louder than my mind. And maybe I want to reach out to somebody. Or maybe I'll like go on the internet and, and, and read, you know, a lot of times I'll end up studying you know, something which maybe the day before I was like struggling to figure out what I was going to teach in my class. And now all of a sudden I like know what I'm going to teach tomorrow, you know? So it's like something else aligns because, um, that's always in the flow. Right. Right. And then, and like, when you, if we think about that too, even just, you know, I love what you were saying about, you know, it being kind of this like charge for you because it's like, you're then making this decision a to, it's like when you're showing up with the energy of support, 
of love, of your heart, of having compassion for yourself, of, you know, rather than, you know, those energetic qualities of like judgment or, or aversion or thinking that things are supposed to be a different way. Or like, again, like letting the mind like go down like these rabbit holes of like trying to figure it out. It's like, it really do just beautifully kind of showed through your own experience how like how that energy can either like completely be given away and leave your being or in that act of not doing how kind of the natural way is support is the is the recharge even though it might not seem like it given the discomfort of whatever it is that you're going and given and given the fact that I'm sitting in it and a lot of times my brain, I don't, I don't arrive into that like heartful kind of expansive, creative, creatively productive place so quickly. Like, oh, sometimes I'm my I'm in my mind for three a day for like three days, you know. But I minimize the the out the the stimulus that I feel pressure to take on. Like I'm very able to say this is something I'm putting on myself, right? So there are certain things that I know I could put off. Right. Where sometimes where people would where some people would actually invite those things in to do in order to avoid like do basically in order to avoid indulging or wallowing in what's in what's going on. Um, they would do the things that maybe they could put off for a few weeks to kind of like hope that it will just sweep that under the rug and they'll move forward. I kind of take the opposite approach. I'd rather sit in the muck if it's really loud. Um, brain stuff I'd rather sit in it um I know that it has like a max shelf life um and then be get excited about what's coming that I can put my energy into you know and just and basically in those days I'll just do what is immediately I have to do so it's like you know if I have to be at work I'll go if I have to do this I'll go but I won't take on other things in order to um you know in order to try to minimize the the real emotional thing that's going on which is the discomfort feelings you know whether that's coming from you know the inside or the outside so um i really try to give those feelings a really big space to live um and sometimes both things have to be true like that that's really big that's really taking up a lot of space and i'm not in the heart space yet and i still have to um, move forward and function and do stuff and um that takes a lot of energy to give space to the discomfort feeling and still have to go teach a bunch of yoga classes and hold space for clients, you know, but so in those days, that's all I do. I don't, I don't write my creative column. I don't take on a creative project. I don't reach out. I don't, I'm not a coach for my friends going through a hard time. You know, I feel like I minimize that. Whereas I think some people, it would be the opposite. They would try and give more so that they, can feel less and I have learned to do the opposite. Believe me, I did the, I, I, I didn't do this and you know this when, um, for many years, you know, I understood this, but I didn't really do it. And, um, I really do it now and it's made like world of difference for me. Wow. Yeah. That that's so big. And it's really interesting because even in that energy of whatever it is that you are experiencing, and I respect you so much for having this approach, because I know that it does take a lot of inner strength, like first and foremost, and then just this, this really interesting, you know, relationship with you, right? Like you with you and it to be able to have almost like a dialogue with that part of yourself. And then ultimately, you know, when we are 
you know, not we're showing up with this cradle of support, not saying that like, you know, just because I, my mind is going this direction or I made this choice and now I'm feeling these uncomfortable aspect or like energetic or result because of that, which, you know, we did and maybe we didn't even do a thing, you know, but to be able to show up and know that that is the honoring of the energy, you know, sometimes like when we like, especially in this talk about, you know, energy work and yoga and like, I, you know, I do believe in like being in the heart and like keeping, you know, and like working with, you know, positive, you know, mantra and all of these things, but at the same capacity, it's to strengthen the cradle to hold ourselves no matter what we're presenting, right? Because we, as we know, like to strengthen that, that cradle rather than to say like, now I am above it, right? Or it's like, we're still in it. And I just, I love how you're, again, you are this beautiful living proof of going from one place now to this place you are to say, this really, this is working for me. And, and, and it's really beautiful to see that you can kind of hold yourself in that space without, without judgment. Yeah. You know, maybe you're not, yeah, maybe it's not like jumping into your heart right away, but it's like grace yourself there too. You know, it's like just in that, in that energy of being there. Yeah, I agree. I I really feel like it's, um, it's really worked for me. That's for sure. (laughs) It worked. It continues to work for me. Yes. Well, let's, um, let's shift into, talking about your current um, nutrition offering, because what was really exciting for me, you know, as I presented my, you know, honor your aura to you was that how much of, you know, the foundational energy of this is like understanding us ourselves energetically and how that related to, you know, your approach to nutrition now. And so I would just love to hear associate food with with energy and ultimately honoring your energy? Yeah. Um, so on a few levels, um, firstly, food, every food has energetic properties. So they, so all foods are either earthy foods, more fiery foods, more airy foods, like raw foods are more airy. Um, vegetables are more airy, so crunchy vegetables, more airy, earthy foods are more like grains, um, and also the way foods are prepared. And then watery foods are more like soup or melons, you know, things that have water. And then fiery foods are more like spicy or, you know, herbs. Um, and also, uh, you know, uh, let me think of other kind of, and pepper, you know, so things could be two different, two different things, but, uh, like peppers could be airy and they're crunchy and they can be spicy. So they're fiery. So if you just think of food as different properties and you think about yourself as different elements and properties, um, understanding, and then you think of the seasons in the world as different elements, like summer is more fire and winter, you know, uh, fall, winter is more airy. Um, and, uh, late winter, spring is more water earth. And so it's more, uh, if you understand how that works together, you can understand how to, um, use food, so to speak, and cooking of food to, um, to help balance and really truly nourish yourself, um, as a unique individual, um, using food. 
So that's like the physical, that's the physical element of it. Mm -hmm. um, from an energetic perspective, I like to, I like to, uh, um, uh, sometimes my clients will come to me with emotional eating uh, and any kind of emotional eating is really because we have a tendency to use food as a soothing mechanism. So, and to use food as a way to um, uh, maybe sometimes cover over things or foods have different tastes and they, they reflect different things that we're trying to call into our lives. So from an energetic perspective, so spicy might mean that you want more spice in your life or you know, earthy foods, if you're craving it, might be because you're, there's some loneliness or um, we're searching for more love. Um, so there are certain energies that food tastes have as well. So it's interesting to think of food that way. And then to understand your personal energy when it comes to your motivation for eating food um, is also another thing that I like to talk about with my clients so that there's a mindfulness element to eating and to what you're choosing and so it really becomes a, a practice eating becomes a practice um and not just the act of eating like taking your fork or chopsticks or chewing but actually the the holistic experience the choices um the motivations the the expectations um and really being in relationship with with the food and um and it can become something that's a really interesting introspection and, and not, not necessarily the way that people view eating. There's often a not, there's often, um, a more, I wouldn't say adverse, but, uh, maybe aversive relationship to food sometimes or that it's not a part of you. It's more like this is other. Um, and let me try and, you know, it's kind of like a power dynamic rather than something that is supposed to be, we're supposed to be in a relationship with and is an, a really an ally for us. Right. Absolutely. Cause ultimately, you know, it is our, it is our fuel. And, and I love, I mean, I just, I think it's really interesting how you outlined that, that energetic relationship of those aspects of our life that we're kind of calling in or are in a state of lack and how that reflects in the food choices that we make. Mm -hmm. So that's what, yeah, I think that that's really interesting. And yeah, I mean, and a lot of times there's, um, a lack of awareness around that. So that's a lot of what, what I work with people on. It's, it's really illuminating people to some of this, these things. And, you know, sometimes a lot, a lot of the answers that people come to me is, okay, I'm just going to eliminate this completely. Right. And, and that's a lot of the answers to life and to people. That's a lot of the answers that people have in general. It's just let me just eliminate. Mm -hmm. Let me just be aversive. And look, I'm a fan of eliminating things sometimes. Um, but you have to understand the why. And it has to be from a place of empowerment. And because the thing you're eliminating is directly, um, is directly sucking energy from your life. It's not because you are having a complicated relationship to it. If you're having a complicated relationship to something and it's feeling like it's almost like overpowering you, that's, it's telling you something. It, that's not the time to let it go yet. That's the time to create a boundary with it, put a microscope on it, ask some questions, get some support. Um, whether that's, you know, like I said, I've cultivated over the years where I have my practices that I shared in the beginning where 
you know, I can be my own support here sometimes when I'm in that dynamic and when I feel that pull of attachment to something and I don't like it, to me, that's a messenger that's like, look deeper into this, be courageous, um, create simplicity in your life. Like I said earlier, don't take on anything else. Don't post on social media right now and like get feedback back in, like create quiet and just investigate, but don't push it away just because it's uncomfortable. So I think in a lot of times when I work with people with this, they're like, I can't stop eating sugar late at night. I'm just going to never have sugar in my house. <laughs> and I'm like, no, let's not, let's not, let's actually like keep, let's keep some stuff. You know, what do you like to eat? Because sometimes a lot of times I'm like, what do you like about the sugar? Right. Sometimes people are so afraid to, to look at what they like about it. They forget, you know, they're so in the, they're so in this, this looping of the, the kind of, um, attachment, um, shame, situation slash like I hate this I, it owns me that um, they don't even bother to ask the question and rem or even look at the part of them that actually enjoys this and that deserves to enjoy it and that deserves to enjoy it right right so it's right. like the sweetness of life right yeah so it's like what do I like why do I like this thing and a lot of times people will be like I don't remember <laughs> mm -hmm. and I'm like okay so I mean that's interesting, you know, like, let's just, you don't remember. And it's almost like once they don't remember why they like it, immediately a hook is taken out. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, I'm actually, I'm actually addicted to this dynamic. I'm not necessarily addicted to the food, right? right? I'm addicted to the dynamic. And so the dynamic is not this food in your refrigerator. It's, it's a dynamic that might be from your parents when you were 12 or from bullies in school when you were in high school. You know, this dynamic might be something else completely that now you're just projecting onto the food. And a lot of times when you ask people what they like about something, um, it's really interesting. And then when I say to them, well, let's try to plan it in, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they think it's, they think it's the food is going to overwhelm them. Like, it's not going to overwhelm you. Let's just see what happens. And like more often than not, than not, that energy charge around that thing that you think is the issue completely goes away once you see it as what it really is. And that's, I think, the whole thing with energy work and the whole thing with what we do as yogis and what we're doing with all the work we do is to learn how to see the, how to see things for really what they are and to, and, and really believe that we deserve to and enjoy things that also might be complicated and complicated and might that might trigger something in us that's unfamiliar doesn't mean that it's that that thing is necessarily dangerous but we need to investigate the nature of the unfamiliarity and come to the truth about what that is it just can be unfamiliar it just can be a triggering an old thing and we really miss out on life and on and on personal growth and on learning about ourselves and on really getting what we really want, which is full richness and inclusion and everything like that, when we're not willing to uh, investigate in that way. Wow, that's just that's so amazing. And and it brings up so much. And, and I think, too, you know, that bridges with 
this relationship i mean obviously yeah food is is a part of our of our life and then it brings in such a richer you know relationship you know to ourselves and and to like kind of do that timeline of where where did this begin and that is so i mean and that's incredibly empowering because it's giving us back like the reins because a lot of as we know you know especially in like our subconscious it like it's storing so many expired programs and and with especially food as being this example, the, you know, the fear that we have, even if we know something's not serving us, right, or if it's not giving us energy, and it might not even be the thing itself, but that that fear of the unknown, even if we have this inclination, obviously, people are coming to you because they have an inclination of an energy of that not being present anymore, right? But it's not like, it's not like, yeah, getting all the sugar out of the house is the solution, right? And I love that you don't allow for that bypass, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you offer this invitation to go deeper, to investigate, and then to ultimately, again, like not only create a deeper relationship with themselves, but with this act of eating that mm-hmm. has so much, you know, whether it was familial or societal or you know that how much that embeds itself in our energetic body and we don't even know mm-hmm, exactly I mean so that's really the work I do um, and then essentially that that leads to compliance with someone's goals because compliance isn't about isn't really about some hard discipline you know that's not what compliance is compliance is understanding your is understanding your nature and understanding how you have, how your mind, body, heart, and spirit has evolved into this relationship with the world and 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 then creating a, a, a framework and creating, you know, creating a, a, a way of relating and that's fluid that's not so structured, but that, you know, where you understand your needs enough to, to, you know, to move forward. So that's how you can comply with your goals. It's not some outside in thing. It's more of an inside out thing where you understand your history and can use that history to inform your present and then figure out different, um, different strategies and different tools that you need and different leeway that you need to give yourself and different edges that you can play in order to comply to your goals. And sometimes you'll think it's one thing and it could be one thing. And then you realize, oh, you go too far, but then you come back, you know? So you're not jumping from one outside thing to the next. Like you're not jumping from like one, you know, from keto diet to to intermittent fasting to this diet, you know, you're basically, you know, you're, you're including more, you're not creating more capsule experiences where you're just jumping from one bucket to the next. You're, you're kind of just, you're, you're in more of your, you know, you're including more, you're more of that feminine kind of flowy, but then boundaries, you know, it's like, if you go too far and it's not, you know, and, and it's not working, you kind of, it's, it's a radical responsibility. You then know it's not working. And then you go back into what you know is what you know would work for you. So I like to give people frameworks of what I know is like a really solid foundation based off of what I know is healthy and based off of what I know they like and that we can include in because I want them I want I want people to feel like they can enjoy 
and it doesn't have to be, again, this adversarial relationship to food. But then if they go too far on it, it's not confusion, you know, like, oh, I have to go into this, you know, external out thing. They can just go back to the, you know, the, the framework that works. That, that's so amazing. And I just love, you know, when the energy of restriction or elimination, like how those are, again, like distinct energies, again, influencing our system. And so we like to have that, to have that, that foundation of, yeah, like bringing it in, right? Bringing in energy, bringing in foods, bringing in qualities, whatever it is. And, and rather than this, like, lack or deprivation and so I, I just I just love that approach and I think you know and I and I just am super excited for your message you know just to continue to to spread you know hearing you talk just feels so authentic and and it and it feels I think you know anyone that I think has the opportunity to work with you I'm sure are super grateful but it just it just makes me feel good on a personal level that this is your approach and and I'm super excited, you know, for everything that's that, you know, you're up to and that, you know, you're able to share this in a variety of different ways. So, yeah. And I'm so happy that you came on and, and chatted with everyone. I know for me, this was super expanding and, you know, enlightening and it creates, again, like a, a relationship to this big aspect of our life, which is food and which is nourishment. And again, like a deepened relationship to self, which ultimately then reflects into our world and life. So Alana, I would just love to hear, you know, as we wrap up, just how people can find you and anything that's kind of exciting um, in your world coming up on the horizon that you'd like to let the listeners know about. Yes. So you can find me uh, at my website, uh, www.bewellbyak.com. You can also find me on Instagram at the Mindful Nutrition Coach. And I'm excited because I am going to be distilling uh, my coaching program. So I have a 10-week concierge coaching program that's really successful. The price point is high because it is a lot of immersive one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I am going to be creating a subscription um, platform so that clients can actually subscribe and get all of my tools. So it's actually all my tools that I work with my clients one-on-one. -on -one. And there are a couple levels and uh, you'll take a, an assessment and you'll find your specific profile, whether it's more food-based or whether it's energy-based or both. And um, once you enter in, into the subscription, you'll get a ton of content, video content, written content, uh, live coaching, live um, Facebook uh, classes with me. And this will be something that I'm rolling out in March at a really affordable price. Um, and you'll be able to find it on my website. And if you are in New York City, you can find me at the Shala Yoga House. To te I teach yoga there on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. And I teach also at New Vibe Yoga in New York, 6.30 p.m. Schedule's bound to change, but you can take a look there. And then I'll be leading a retreat to Costa Rica, uh, December 2020. Um, which will be a, a full spectrum heart practice wellness retreat. So if you're interested in heading to uh, that part of the world, feel free to um, come join. <laughs>
Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Alana. And I just look forward to continually, you know, crossing paths and sharing our journeys with one another. And thank you so much for being on the Honor Your Aura podcast. Thank you for having me, Kay. I love you so. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Honor Your Aura podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, please leave a review and share with your friends because I want you to be the start of the ripple that allows others to honor and empower the energy that lies within.